0: You know, we're in this series of Christmas messages called Here Comes Heaven, that song we just sang. is kind of our theme song. And uh, today's focus is how heaven, namely a star, uh, brought the wise men to see the newborn Messiah in Bethlehem. And I would say, um, why the wise men? Um, what is their part of this Christmas story? Uh, We've seen them all of our lives. We've seen them in nativity scenes, probably. Not that that's even historically accurate, maybe, probably not. Uh, If you read commentaries about this chapter, Matthew 2, uh, one of the most recurring themes and phrases you'll find in commentaries is this, we just don't know much about these guys. And it's true. Um, We think there may have been how many? Three. Why do we think that? Because there were three gifts and, well, somebody wrote a song, We Three Kings, right? Right. It's got to be three. And where did they come from? It says in the Scripture, it says they came from where? Far. Afar. <laughs> yes. And they came from the east. What does that mean? East Bethlehem? Could it have been from Babylon, Babylon, 800 miles away Uh we just don't know. And if it was that, how long did it take them to get there? Can you imagine traveling on camels and with an entourage 800 miles across the desert? Uh, some think weeks, some think months. Uh, we do know this from the passage, that when they encountered Jesus, they, Jesus and His parents were still in the Jerusalem area, so they hadn't made their way back to Nazareth, And what is it with this star that appeared in the east that they followed? You know, through the years, you've probably read many speculations. Uh, Some say it was two planets, I think Saturn and Jupiter, that kind of crossed paths at a particular time in history and created this enormous star. And uh, some think it was probably a supernova or a comet of some kind. But the passage says that this star not only led them to the area where the Christ child was, but it says it came to stand over the place, the house, where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were. I'd kind of like to see a supernova or a comet do that, right? Here's a thought just a wild thought. Maybe it was a supernatural celestial event governed by the hand of God to accomplish His purposes in His time. What do you think? Here's the story of the Magi, or we know them as um, the wise men. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And when Herod was troubled, what? All Jerusalem was troubled. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, they knew the prophets, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then, scheming Herod, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And now, if you read on in Matthew 2, this, this, this whole chapter focuses on the protection of God over his son. We see uh, later on that Herod plotted uh, to kill this new rival, This somebody saying that that this king has been born. No, I'm king. We see the wise men being warned by God not to return to Herod. Don't let him know where you found him. Later on, we see an angel appear to Joseph with instructions to take the child and his mother and go to Egypt. And then the angel appears to Joseph while he's in Egypt after Herod's death and tells him to go back to Israel and... Joseph's afraid to go back because he hears now who's king in Jerusalem, and I don't want to go back to the Jerusalem area for fear of that new king. So who appears again? An angel telling him, no, go to Galilee. I read chapter 2 and I think, man, Joseph sure needed a lot of angels, (laughs) didn't he? But here's the thing, as you read the whole chapter, here's the point I would make. Heaven always has a plan, and heaven always has the power to carry it out. Heaven always has a plan and the power to carry it out. Sometimes God just intervenes and says, Nope, not happening. Nope, not this time. You're not leaving yet. I've got more for you to do. I remember a time when I was in high school and I went with my dad and five others to visit a college in Idaho. We lived in Denver, so it was quite a trek for us, a long way. It was a big event at the college, and we stayed for all of that. And uh, um, when it was over, it ended in the evening, and so about 9 o'clock one night, we took off for Denver, 16 hours. We decided we're going to drive all night, five teenagers and my father. and We were all driving age. We are all juniors and seniors, and so we decided we're going to take shifts driving all night because we don't want anybody to drive too much, you know, in the middle of the night. So at 2 a.m., they woke me up. And they said, it's your time to drive. I said, okay, all right. I got behind the wheel. We took off there in Idaho, and uh, and, uh, they all quickly fell asleep, and it was about 15 minutes. It took about a full 15 minutes for everybody in the car, I mean everybody in the car, to be asleep. (laughs) And I woke up when the tires hit the dirt. You're a little slow, but you got it. Yeah, okay. My tires hit the dirt, and I woke up, and I saw this highway pole in front of me. And my reflex took it off to the right. However, the road was off to the left. And you know what happened next? The only way I can say it is God happened. He said, No, you're not leaving yet. <laughs> the side of the road there was flat. We pulled to a stop. I gently came back up onto the shoulder. I think I said this sorry. You know, the funny thing about that story is, is that uh, the whole car decided it was time for me to take a break from driving, and I went back in to the back seat where I was before, and it took me about three minutes to fall back asleep. And they tell me that not another person in the car slept the rest of the night. But don't you, don't you look back over your life and you say, you see where God's hand just intervened and said, nope. And, and God just intervenes and says, I, it's not time for you to leave this place. I have a plan for you. I know the plans that I have for you. I have a future for you. I have a hope for you. And I thought about that night a lot, um, especially when I look at situations in my life that seem to require Miracles. And I find myself thinking that God is in charge of this thing. God has a plan, and uh, He wants it to happen. And if He wants it to happen, and I'm in agreement with His plan, it's going to happen. And that gives us amazing comfort. In other words, say you have a job interview, and uh, you really want it. And uh, Did you know that if you go to a job interview, and you really want it, and it's God's will, you can just relax, right? And if it's not God's will, you can still relax. You're not getting it, right? Right? It doesn't matter how the interview went. If it's God's will, it's God's will. It doesn't matter how thin your resume might be. If it's God's will, it'll happen. God has a plan. God has a plan. And not even what we would have what we would call modern day Herod's Can stop it. Heaven always disrupts the status quo of the world around us. I mean, you you look at this passage of scripture, Herod is afraid. He is worried. He doesn't know what's happening to his powers, this uh, baby that has been born. How can a baby challenge me? But uh, there's something in the way that people are talking about him. I've got to do something. I've got to maintain my firm grip on things. In fact, in verse 3, it says that he was troubled. He was firmly in control, and now news comes that there's born a baby king. No way, I'm king. I'll put this down. doesn't matter if it's true or not. So he tries a little covert action. Hey, wise men. Uh, I would like to worship him too. You ever known somebody like that? Just a little covert, and you know it's just, there's something wrong with this. Just tell me where you find him, and I want to show up and pay my worship to him. And uh, That doesn't work. And so later he decrees, I'm going to kill all the little babies in, in the whole land. And I'll firmly, I know that I'll get him, I'll squash this rumor. I'm the king. I'm going to prove it. Don't people sometimes think that uh, that they, instead of God, really are in control of things? Don't you think? Do people of power think they're really in control? I mean, have you watched the news lately? I mean, I, I, you just look at Washington this past week and. Human leaders thinking, I'm in charge. I'm in complete control. And I got to tell you, regardless of where you stand politically today, can't you see the arrogance of people thinking they're in control? (laughs) That they have all power, just like Herod. But I have to bring it a little bit more personal, you know. I know that God loves you, God loves me so much that uh, He wants control of your life. He wants control of your future, your family, your ministry. He wants control of everything, and He knows the plans that He's got for you, and He, he wants your agreement. He wants you to come in line with what His Spirit is leading in your life. He doesn't want you to put up the roadblocks. He's just come along with what I have for you and live a life in my blessing. But He always gives us the choice. Follow His will, live in His blessing, or basically fend for yourself. I use the C.S. Lewis quote a lot. There are two kinds of people, those who say to God, Thy will be done, and and those to whom God says, All right, have it your way. (laughs) Right? I mean, just... Think of Joseph saying to the angel, but I don't want to go to Egypt. Can you imagine? I'm not going to go. I know you're an angel and all, and I know he's the Christ, and I know all, but I don't want to go to Egypt. Can you imagine Mary declining the call of God to bear the Son, Jesus? God chooses people for important roles whom he knows will welcome his will no matter how disruptive it may be to their life. And we talked about it last week, that God's will can be so disruptive sometimes to your plans and your dreams and your thoughts. But there's no better way to go, to put your life out there. Say, Lord, use me however you want, for however you want, wherever you want. You know, every January, I I head off to uh, to Eastern Europe, to a little country called Moldova, and I teach a class over there. Uh, yeah, I go in January. I know there's something wrong with my head. I go in January, but uh, it's so cold over there. It's so snowy. It's... But I'm going to take out here in just about uh, four or five weeks, and uh, this year I've decided to take a vacation stop on the way. I'm going to take three days and stop in Normandy, France. I know. I'm going to visit the beaches and sites of D-Day, and i got to tell you, the closer it gets, the more profound it gets in my thinking. I think of these young men, ages probably 18 to 25, most of them, and uh, I think of them on the morning of June 6th, 1944, and... You've seen the movies, right? (laughs) Can you imagine them in the boat that morning? Crossing the English Channel to storm these beaches to defeat this Nazi fascism that had captured most of Europe and was spreading. They had to have been looking at one another across the boat, right? And what do they know in their mind? Many of us are not going to make it. Many of us are not going to make it today. 6,603 Americans died on those beaches in one day. And I think if we could talk to any of them, they would say it was a sacrifice worth making. I want my life to count. I think about that, and I think of that generation, and I think of the generation I was raised in, and I think of the generation that exists today and the new generations, and I I wonder what would happen if that kind of sacrifice were required today. Would we make it or not? And I think of my own life spiritually in light of what those young men were willing to do for the sake of freedom. I think of my own life in an eternal perspective. Don't you want your life to count and to matter and to be... It doesn't matter what the status quo is. I don't care. I want to be disruptive to the status quo. I don't want to just fit in with the ordinary, natural, temporary, self-consumed, entitled narcissism of the day. I want to live on heaven's terms. And it's always going to challenge earth's terms. It's always going to run cross-grained. It's always going to be difficult. But it captures our attention. He captures our attention. He drives our passion to live a life that, quite frankly, others will look at that. And why are you doing that? Why do you have that value? Why do you use your resources that way? Why do you... I think of the magi, the the wise men. Can you imagine the conversation they had with their families before they set out on their journey? You're going, where? Right? Well, we don't exactly know where we're going. We've just seen this star. You see, these scientists believed that uh, science was governed by the divine, Now, that's something for a scientist to think that science was governed by the divine, right? But it is. It is. They knew the prophecies, they knew there was something about this unusual star, and they knew they just had to go no matter if there was public ridicule or it upset others or others didn't understand. We're going. they enter the house where Jesus was. And, I mean, you just got to think of the scene. It's just uh, three wealthy men. I mean, the gifts tell us how wealthy they were. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. And some people even think they were probably royalty of some kind, kings of some sort. Probably dressed to the hilt and most likely any home that uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were staying at would have been on the peasant end of the uh, wealth scale and um, poor shepherds much more compatible with the scene than these royal kings. Verse 11, which I read, says, when they came into the home and saw the child, what did they do? They fell to the ground and worshiped him these rich most likely gentiles foreigners knew the presence that they were in in this poor helpless baby The contrast couldn't be more striking. That was before Jesus had done anything except He was born. He had not confronted religious leaders. He had not died on the cross. He had not risen from the dead. All that He had done so far is what? Be born. And yet there were these men of power and wealth and influence falling before Him. And I would say this, heaven always provokes worship. Heaven, when the reality of heaven is known, it always provokes worship because it's like, Whoa. It's awe-inspiring. Some may contend with that. They may say, well, not always are the unbelievers, you know, they, they could see something from heaven and they wouldn't. I would contend with that. I would say, no, when heaven is revealed, when Jesus is seen exactly for who He is, You will worship, no matter who you are. It says it in Philippians 2, verse 10, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to understand that Jesus is the king, he's the savior, he's the creator, he's the ruler over all things. And even if you don't believe it, it doesn't change the fact that it's true. People can think they're in charge of their own lives, they're governing their own lives. And they they might even think that they have some great influential role to play. uh, But there will be a day where every person who has ever lived on the face of the earth will enter into the place of heaven, the place where Jesus is. And will immediately know what to do. Bow and proclaim. Do you know that Herod bowed down to Jesus? Oh, it was after he was dead. Don't get me wrong. But he bowed. Do you know that Hitler bowed down to Jesus? So did Muhammad. So did Buddha. All of them bowed and confessed that Jesus is Lord. And there's a day coming for all of them. I'll read my list, okay? All of them, Obama, Trump, Putin, Chi, Macron, Pelosi, whoa. Even the Ayatollahs will bow their knee and proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the King of kings. They will. Again, this is so very, very personal. Yeah, we have these big pictures of heaven, and the big picture of heaven that wants to translate to us, but make it very personal. When we encounter Jesus today, is the same attitude present or, or... the influence that we have as people, it just goes away because it's just our little self in the presence of mighty God. And so these, just like the wise men in their royal robes, fell. And we, we have so much more information than they did. We know the whole story. We know His life, His teaching. We know His death, His resurrection. We know that He's coming back and... Uh, We know the work of grace that's happened in our own hearts. We even more than these three royal wise men ought to be keenly aware of how overwhelmingly good and majestic and glorious and holy He is. It ought to be a consuming experience. It just drops us to our knees sometimes when we're alone with Him or we're... In His presence, no matter where it is, we just drop to our knees in just adoration. I have to tell you, when I think of pure, true worship, I often think of this scene. Rich, influential wise men on their faces. And that's what the word means, bow down there in the Scripture. It actually means prostrate on the floor, face to the ground. I think in a contemporary context, that we kind of sometimes take it for granted or think that we're that God's getting a good deal from us in the times that we give to him and the I think about these magi I mean what what these these learned, smart, educated, wealthy. You imagine them entering the house, and can you just see them walking in with their royal presence and saying to Mary and Joseph, you know, yes, we know we're important people, but we've come a long way because we want to honor the birth of your baby. We just want you to let you know that we as leaders acknowledge. There was none of that. They simply fell. They got it. They understood. And Scripture lets us know that there's coming a day where every one of us is going to get it. (laughs) We're going to get it. We we are going to see Him face to face. We're going to see Him in His glory, and we are going to see the nail scars in His pierced side, and we will be enveloped by the completeness of His love. We will be understanding of the wonderful work of His grace, and we will see Him as He is, and every one of us are going to fall to our knees. And we're going to bow, and our tongues are going to confess that He is who He has always claimed to be. He is the King. He is the Lord of all. And my, what I would say is that, uh, wouldn't it be a good idea not to wait until then to do that? Why don't we just live that way right now? God has a plan, sure, and uh, it can be disruptive to the status quo, and, uh, but who cares? I want to go with Him because He's the King. He's the Lord travel 800 miles by foot, let's go. He's the king. And when you think about it, the way way people so many times today live doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They look at all of this, that gee, who He is, His birth, His death, His resurrection, and the glory of His life. and uh, Ah, I get that, it's a, it's a great story, I love the story, but I, I got stuff to do. I want to, take, I want to take some time for myself, and I've got a life to live, and uh, I got my career to think about, and my little, I got to make my world a little bit more prosperous, and uh, I got plans. Oh, don't get me wrong, I think God's important. He's really important. And I'm going to go to church whenever I can, and I'm going to give some of my money. It's good, I know. But it's got to kind of fit with what i got going. I want you to know that makes absolutely no sense scripturally. That kind of life where God is just kind of accommodated in your ventures is... Let's live lives that seek no do His will. That, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the world says a church ought to be like. I don't care what the world says this ought to be like. I, he's the King. He's God incarnate who came here as a baby in a manger, who died a cruel death at the hands of all of us. And yet out of his great love and his great power, he rose from the dead and he established this church and breathed his spirit into it. And one day he's going to return and everyone who has ever lived is going to fall to the ground and proclaim that he, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of all. I say, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, may I bless his holy name. How could I do anything else? How could we do anything else? I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, I I just, I want to pray for those that may be here today who, uh, they hear this and they hear the glory of the Lord Jesus and they hear the story and read the scripture that there will be a day where we will all come before you and proclaim your lordship and kingship. And and yet, if they were very, very honest with themselves, they would they would know, they would come to terms with the fact that they have lived separate from you. And I'm praying today that in these closing moments that they would simply say, Lord, I want to... I want to have the fullness of your your life living in me, and I want to come to you today, and I want to say right before you today that I'm yours, and I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go. I will live where you want me to live. I will follow you, and I will not shrink back and think that I have my own destiny and my own way, and uh, I want to live in agreement with your plan for my life. Father, we know that uh, when we say those things to You and we come into that kind of agreement with Your plan, that there is, there is just no telling where it might take us. And there are many junctions in life, there are many points where we come to You again and we say, Lord, whatever days I have left, what we're still, we're still on the same path, we're still Whatever it is that you want me to do, wherever it is that you want me to live, whatever it is you want me to say, I'm still with you. And Father, as we, as we close this service in praise, we join with these wise men with their faces to the ground and uh, the, the whole spirit of the moment that said, we understand that in this infant From heaven is the very nature of God, the very life of God. And what else could we do but praise you, worship you, adore you? So, Father, as your church today, we do that very thing. We praise you. We worship you. Let's stand together.